What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, what did I have for breakfast this morning? I had coffee. <laughs> How about you? And then I actually had breakfast for lunch. So that worked out really well. Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit through conversations with extraordinary people. We talk about all aspects of life here, imposter syndrome, breaking free from the script, living with intention, boundaries with family, what it means to be vulnerable, and the fact that we're all really just making this up as we go along. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Williams. She's a daughter, sister, founder of Tech Biz Girl, where she works with women who want to create an online side hustle. And she also is the creator of Just Picks, a newsletter full of curated resources for building a side hustle. And one of the things that caught my eye like when I was thinking about inviting you on the podcast, Jessica, was you sort of... Um, I don't know where it was, but I, you said somewhere, I don't know if it was on a podcast or written, but you said that your day job is not the enemy. And and oh, I mean, yeah. you you have a day job and your whole mission here is to help people with side hustles who have day jobs. Mm-hmm. That caught my eye because I feel like so many people are sort of working to get out of their day job, like to get to some better chapter of their life. But you kind of outright said, well, no, the day job's fine. So I'm really curious, how come you are not like all those other people trying to dig out of the day job into a better chapter of life. Oh, wow. Um, so I used to be one of those people, Tim, actually. Um, Aha. I mean, I guess I could tell you a little bit about how I started my side hustle and kind of how it's evolved, if that would be helpful. So sure. Um, when I started my side hustle back in 2011, and back then I don't even know if side hustle was a term, right? It was, it was a situation where I was burnt out at my day job, um, just having one of those, like, there has to be more to life than this moments pretty much every day. And I was just looking for something. I was like, I feel, you know, I, like I said, I was burnt out. I was stressed. I wasn't really happy with the work I was doing. And um, I went to this conference for women entrepreneurs. And that was where everything changed for me. First of all, it was a room full of women and I have to tell you, you get into a room full of other women and you're just going to get good energy, if nothing else. Um, but what I realized then is there are all these women there looking to start a business or grow a business. And, you know, we were talking a lot about social media and using social media for business. Keep in mind, this was in 2011. So like Facebook pages and tweets and all that kind of stuff was still rather new, um, especially like using it for business purposes. Sure. And so... A lot of the women were struggling to um, implement some of this stuff, like creating a Facebook page was just extremely intimidating to them, mainly because it just seemed so technical, right? And me, as someone who came from a technical background, I was like, oh, it's easy. You do this, this, and this, you know? And so I found myself doing that a lot (laughs) during the three days of the conference that I was there. And you know, it's like, huh, I kind of know stuff that can help these women at least get past some of the stuff that keeps them stuck um, when they're trying to start their online businesses. And so I was basically like, okay, maybe I can start a blog um, that can, and where I can share things that I've learned or, you know, things that I've experienced that can help them, you know, get over this hurdle of doing the tech stuff to start their online businesses. And that's how I started my side hustle. It was a blog just talking about, actually it started out talking a lot about social media um, when I started and it's kind of evolved from there. Right. So it evolved to me providing services for tech services for women, you know, helping them create their websites, helping them um, start their newsletters or their email lists and stuff. Um, and then I took a step back and started doing um, uh, some training videos and stuff like that. So for the longest time, you know, I was just like, okay, once I kind of figure out what this business is, the goal will be to grow it so that I can, you know, leave my job and make it a full-time business and I'll be a full-time entrepreneur. Um, and so that was kind of the plan. And that was the plan uh, for a while while I was at the same day job um, where I was when I started, 
but then I got laid off. Then I had to find another job, right? So there was kind of a series of events that happened in my non-business life that kind of changed how I felt about the business. Um, so after getting laid off from my day job, it's like, okay, now I have to find another job. When you find another job, it's really hard to also then work on your business, right? Because you have to ramp up on this new job. Yeah. And so, but what I was finding was this particular job, um, I just had no energy to work on my side hustle, my blog, anything. And that was the case for a couple of years. Um, and then it, it just kind of got to a breaking point um, in 2015. So this was like, I guess, four years later, where I was just kind of like, okay, I'm kind of in another job where I'm just feeling like I'm not making an impact on the world. I'm exhausted. Um, you know, I'm not even able to work on my blog or, you know, my side hustle, which is a way to fuel me a little bit. And so I was just like, okay, universe, I kind of need to do something else. I don't know what this something is. Um, but I want something a little bit more Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? This is just the juju I'm putting out in the universe. And so <clears throat> I'm like, okay, I don't know what that looks like, but this is what I'm looking for. Um, and then soon after, probably a couple months later, I ran into an old friend at a networking event. Um, her name was Nicole and she had just been appointed to manage this program for women entrepreneurs um, who were building tech startups. And so we were having this conversation about like just catching up and all this kind of stuff. And she told me that they were looking for someone to be her partner in managing this program. And I was like, oh, really? You know, she thought I would be great at it. You know, after dealing with some imposter issues, I basically said, said yes, because I was all about the whole, I know nothing about startups, Nicole. Um, she's like, well, you can learn. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing but that's a, probably another topic for another day. <laughs> but um, anyway, threw my hat in the ring, got the job, right? And so my job basically became me helping women, like as my job. Like I get to help women with their businesses as my job. That's a thing. And I think up until that point, I hadn't really thought about, wait, I can make an impact and kind of get this fulfillment from my job. What? You know, and so it wasn't until I was at an event, um, I think uh, maybe a couple months after starting the job and some we were talking, I don't even know what the event was, but someone was asking me, so, you know, are you still planning on making your side hustle a full-time business? And I'm like, I don't think so, right? Like, because I'm finding f this fulfillment from my day job and I'm kind of being able to make an impact there. So I kind of like the side hustle as a side hustle. And I think that's okay. Right. And so I think that just kind of got me to start thinking about it a different way. But also it helped me realize that, like, there's a lot of pressure out there for people to take their side hustles full time. Yeah, um, definitely. And then I think that sucks <laughs> yeah. because not everybody wants to be a full time entrepreneur. But I think there's this pressure that you have to. And so that's one of the reasons why I think I started talking about you know, your day job's not the enemy and like, you don't have to become a full-time entrepreneur because I, I realized it for myself. What a fantastic feeling. I imagine like, mm -hmm. I think you, you identify that it was a fulfillment issue in terms mm -hmm. of like being fulfilled in what you spend your time on rather than, Oh, it's a day job issue. Did that right. feel like very, um, what's the, liberating? I think is the word I'm looking for. It did. And I think, I think part of it too is like, you also kind of have some options, right? Like I think, I think a lot of people, you know, they start a side hustle because, you know, they, they want to make an impact or they kind of want to become a full-time entrepreneur. And I think sometimes the day job can become an enemy in the sense of like, well, if I didn't have my day job, then I could focus all my time on my side hustle. Um, so I think it's partly that, but I think it's also, um, you kind of have some options, right? Like, I think it's important to talk about the fact that you have income coming from two sources and not just one. Um, I think a lot of us have learned that. I mean, I learned it the hard way when I got laid off, right? Like it's good to have income coming from more than one place, but I think we all felt it with COVID and the pandemic 
that like, man, if you lose your job and you don't have something else to fall back on, it's just not a good place to be in. And so I think it's good to diversify your income streams. So that's why one of the reasons the day job is not the enemy. But the other thing too, is like, even as a side hustler, your day job is, is paying your expenses, hopefully, right? Like you're probably starting a side hustle to make some extra money or, you know, kind of take care of some things in addition to pursuing a passion and all that kind of stuff. But the good thing is your day job is covering your basic expenses. So when you're starting your side hustle, it's not so important for you to make money right away. And I know that sounds a little weird because it's a side hustle, so you shouldn't make money. But the idea is that you have the freedom to experiment a lot because you don't have to focus on making money, right? So you can try out different ways of working. You can try different services, different products. Um, you might find out that you don't like what you thought you would like as a business idea, but then you have the flexibility to kind of pivot to something else without worrying about losing money. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, you, you, your day job kind of gives you that freedom and flexibility to experiment in your business. Um, and I mean, it's kind of paying for your business in a way. Right. Um, and I feel like they can work hand in hand in a lot of ways. Me being a side hustler has actually made me more confident as an employee. Um, and just more confident as a person, right? Like I think they can work together really, really well, but if you kind of always think of the day job as a bad thing, I feel like you're going to always have this tug of war tension between the two. How did the side hustle make you more confident as a person? I think it was just like, I mean, I created something of my own. People paid for it. It's like, whoa, just like, whoa, um, <laughs> you know, I had the discipline to do it. Right. So I've done things consistently. People are paying for it. I've gained some skills that are also probably helping me in my day job in ways that I may not even realize yet. Right. Um, I mean, doing things like this podcast speaking makes me a better speaker at work. Um, you know, I've learned a lot about marketing in different ways, just from blogging and doing a newsletter, I can bring those skills back to my day job and vice versa too. Like, I feel like they can work really well together um, in, in that kind of way. So I think those are some things that help. I like that you brought up the consistency because I know you've published, I mean, at this point, probably more than 200 episodes, not episodes, editions, 200 editions of your yeah. newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as someone who, you know, publishes weekly and is familiar with consistency, but nowhere close to 200 yet, that's a lot of editions. Yeah. And to keep going, uh, first of all, congratulations. What Thank an amazing you. achievement. Yes. But secondly, how do you keep going? How do you keep doing that at 200 plus? Um. Wow. Uh, it's, it's been hard. Like some weeks are harder than others. Um, it's, I think it's, well, first of all, it's good to do it weekly. I chose weekly because if I did biweekly or monthly, then I have to remember what week I was on and if I had to do it or not. It's really weird, but that's the reason it's like weekly. Then it's like, I know I have to do it every week and yeah. that's an easy decision. I will tell you the first three, three year three-ish years or so, um, I felt like there were crickets most days. I'm like, is anybody listening? Like, you know, tap, tap, is this thing on? I don't know if anybody's reading this, if anybody cares, you know, whatever. But um, I was like, you know, when I started my newsletter, it wasn't really focused on side hustling per se. It was just like, let me just, you know, share the best things I've found read that week. Um, and then the side hustle focus came into play a little bit later. Uh, and then I think it just became a matter of this message is important and people need to know that side hustles are an option when it comes to starting a business. And that kept me going. And it was um, comments here and there that people are like, oh, I love your newsletter. And I was like, you read my newsletter? I didn't even know you're on my list. I didn't even know you saw it. Um, and people just being inspired to do that. And I will tell you that like growth wise and subscriber wise, um, 
like I hovered, I think I started the Jess picks, um, the newsletter as it is now, like a little over 250 subscribers. I hovered between 250 to 300 subscribers for like three years. Like it didn't go higher than that. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it was just like I wasn't promoting it enough or maybe it just wasn't there yet. But like now I'm almost at 900 subscribers just in the past year, um, which is kind of amazing. Um, But I feel like, you know, I've been laying the groundwork for this growth um, for four years. Right. And sometimes I think it's that consistency, like, you know, showing up every week, people knowing that you're there um, um, and knowing that they can depend on you just becomes part of your reputation. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, but it's like the message needs to be there. And one of the things I try to remind myself is that even if I don't think people are watching and listening and reading, they are. Um because you don't always get feedback, but like people are looking to you for inspiration. Yeah, it's interesting. I think about the parallel with the podcast here, and I sometimes feel the same way like, you know, is anybody listening? Or, and all I have to go off are download numbers, like there's no identification or really there's very little demographic information available. So when I do see downloads come in and stuff, I do think, oh, okay, so there's people out there who are paying attention. Yeah. And sometimes I think, first of all, congratulations and 900 subscribers. I mean, that's triple what you had. That's fantastic. Yes. And I think, um, do you ever get the sense of, here, I'll be, I'll be honest. I get frustrated sometimes that my numbers aren't big enough, right? I think there are podcasters out there with ginormous audiences and why aren't I one of them? But then when I see downloads come in, I think, I don't know who this person is or these people. But they just listened to this episode or that episode or these episodes, and they came for a reason. So that's pretty damn cool. I guess I should be happy that I'm affecting somebody, even if it might not be as big of a group as I want. Do you ever get that feeling? Or do you just get like sidelined by this idea that I want to make it as big as possible? Because I still do sometimes. Oh, it's it's hard. Oh, my God, Tim. It's so hard because I feel like it's almost like... I guess it's um, kind of being like in the startup world, it's about growth and VC money and all that kind of stuff. And and for you, it's about downloads and like, oh, the numbers, numbers, numbers. And yeah, I got caught up in it and I still get caught up in it because then I'll see, I'm like, well, they have 2000 subscribers. Like, what am I doing wrong? And and I kind of deal with that all the time. Um, But then it's like, like I follow a bunch of people who write newsletters and all that kind of stuff. And I see their success and I'm just like, I think my newsletter is pretty good. Like, why don't I have those numbers? Um, but you know, some of it is like, well, my newsletter is just very different. Right. And, and I can't, um, necessarily follow the routine structure of some of these other people. First of all, like, I don't know, like, what their situation is. There's a lot of people that have teams to work on these things, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't want a team, maybe a freelancer or an editor at some point, right, in the future. But, like, I don't want to manage a team to, for this newsletter, right? So I have to keep that in mind. But also, it's like, I want quality, right? Like, not quantity. Like, I'd rather get to that whole idea of 1,000 true fans then get to 10,000 people that really don't care what's going on. You know what I mean? So, um, like if people subscribe, like I want them to subscribe because they, you know, they want to start a side hustle or they care what I'm talking about, not necessarily just to tick a box. And sometimes I, I catch myself like, Oh, you know, watching the numbers, like, Oh, I got five subscribers. Oh, but I lost 10 subscribers. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean anything. Um, and yes, this is my, my self-talk situation here. It's like, okay, like just stop looking at unsubscribes because they're bad. Don't do it. I have You're the same self-talk going on in my but, head too. <laughs> right? This is just like focus on the, the other people that are there. Like focus on the people yes. that are there, not the people that are leaving or the people that aren't there yet. Right. So it's hard. So yes, I get caught up in it. Um, but you know, I, I was, I, I think it was maybe last year. It's like, oh, what can I do to grow, right? And all this kind of stuff. 
And I was like, oh, maybe I should get ads and all this kind of stuff. And maybe I will at some point. But then, you know, after reading a couple blogs, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to focus on growth right now. Like, I just want to, um, you know, uh, like they say, do things that don't scale, right? Um, get to know my readers a little bit better. Continue improving the newsletter. Just focus on the readers that I have. Um, and growth is great for lots of reasons, but like, I'm okay growing slowly. So when I catch myself kind of getting into the comparison engine, which happens probably every day, I try to catch myself and remind myself of that. The comparison engine. Oh, it's the worst. It's an engine. It's the worst. It is terrible. It's terrible. We're all guilty. I was just comparing myself early comparing myself earlier. Yeah, I saw um, a profile written up about somebody um, and I have one coming out and I was like, oh, why didn't I do that? I should have done that for my bio instead of written it like this. And I was just like, Jess, it's okay. It doesn't, it's okay. You know, like I should have done that. Yes, it's always, yeah, I should have done, (laughs) this person's got it right. I obviously got it wrong. I should have done it their way. Right. Uh, All the time. It's like, oh, darn. It's like, it's okay. Yours is great. Just let it go. Yeah. But the biggest part about that is just knowing that that's what you're doing. Like being aware that it's like, oh, I'm comparing myself. Yes. And not just letting it run away with you. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned earlier um, when you were talking about your day job, one of your, your first day jobs, you mentioned that part of the feelings about that day job was you didn't feel like you were making an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. What what sort of impact are you wanting to make on the world? You know, I, I, I think I'm still figuring that out, but um, this, this side hustle thing is kind of taking on a life of its own. You know, when I, um, when I started talking about side hustles, it was because it was actually because of that one job that, kind of changed my whole idea of taking side hustles full time is this this whole idea of startups right and you know startup culture maybe it's getting better i don't know but there's just some really annoying things there that drive me crazy and so one of them is that like you have to quit your job and go all in to be a real entrepreneur Ugh, craziness um <laughs> it's like i don't like it it's not true um and, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about side hustles, mainly because like, this is an option for you to take the time, experiment, get yourself, you know, get product market fit, do, do all that stuff while you are still employed and then take the leap um, instead of doing it the other way around, which I found that a lot of women in particular were coming to me after they had done the whole quit their job, go all in, try to raise money not raise money, then find themselves having to get a job and then feeling like failures, right? Like, you know, I'm just like, the the narrative needs to change about this. And, and people need to know that like side hustles are a viable way to get started if they want to become an entrepreneur. Um, but now it's kind of this thing where it's like, side hustles don't have to become full-time entrepreneur, um, you know, full-time businesses. Um, and this idea of like, you can design your life in a way that makes sense for you, right? So um, <clears throat> people that subscribe to my newsletter are always like, you know, it's like, I don't know how you do it. Like, because I work two day jobs actually right now and I have a side hustle. Um, and some people think that's just wild. I think it's wild too, considering I'm doing it, but <laughs> it's wild. And, but I think because I live like this kind of weird, unconventional life, other people are like, oh, maybe I could do that too, right? So it's almost serving as an example and permission to do things a little bit differently. And differently can look like a side hustle you spend two hours on every week instead of, you know, 40. Like, I, you know, I think there's these bars set where people think that, like, they have to follow these prescribed notions of what entrepreneurship looks like or what an employee looks like. Like, there is a way to merge the two in a way that works for you that might look like a side hustle and a part-time job, right? Like there's nothing wrong with having health insurance and benefits in a stable paycheck every week. Just know, you know, but I also think it's important to diversify too, because you never know what can happen and you might lose that stable paycheck. Um, And so I think the impact 
possibly that I'm trying to make is just letting people know that like, you know, they can, they get to decide what makes sense for them in their lives, especially when it comes to like the jobs in a business. There's not one, there's not a one size fits all solution there and they can pick what works for them and not feel pressured to do anything they don't want to do. That's so fantastic. What a great, what a great impact to have. Thanks. I like it. Yeah. Positively <laughs> affecting the world. I, I think it's so admirable. I hope so. I hope so. I want people to just feel like they can design their own lives and don't have to feel pressured to do anything they don't want to do. So I like that you pointed out the example of that your life can be an example for others mm-hmm. of maybe a, a an unconventional way of doing things, which I didn't think about it that way. That's a fantastic thing because so many of us, I think, do feel like we are supposed to follow a prescription that maybe we don't feel like we fit. And then Mm -hmm. if we could see people like yourself and then we think, oh, well, they're doing it and she seems friendly. Maybe I could learn from her and do it, you know, a different way. So that's, I love that you brought that up because that's a great, that's a great thing. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, Saya Hillman, she has put on this event in Chicago for a decade now called Fear Experiment. Yes. Which, yes, which I've yet to actually have the opportunity to attend, but I've seen the videos and it's, I I love this concept. She gets together Mm -hmm. people from all over, I think, the country or, or at least around Chicagoland that want to basically face their fears and do things they've never done before. And yeah. then they have, yeah, you you have the show where they all do dances and, and all this stuff. And you participated in it um, at least once. And I, I watched, yeah, I watched the video and you were <laughs> lip syncing and dancing to this Broadway number, you and I think four or five other women. And it was, first of all, great job. It oh, was so cool. <laughs> the song was so cool. Awesome. But I'm really curious that, first of all, I mean, it's called Fear Experiment. The whole concept is you're going to do something uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm really curious, what did you learn about yourself after, I mean, going through the three months of prep and then after that night on stage? Um, I learned that I really love dancing. Um, I don't consider myself a good dancer at all, uh, but it's it, it, it was pretty incredible in the sense of... Um, I've always been a fan of dance movies and performances and all that kind of stuff. But like, I never really saw myself as a dancer or a performer in that sense. Like, you know, I've spoken on stage before, but like performing and dancing was a whole different ball game. Um, so I was like, I can be, I can, I can be awkward and I can dance and, and, and all this kind of stuff and, and that's okay. And I should just embrace it. Um, when I signed up for Fear Experiments, uh, Fear Experiment actually had been on my radar for years, but it never really worked out, um, schedule wise. Um, and then it actually went away for a little while because Saya stopped doing it. And when she brought it back, she's like, I'm adding Broadway as a, an art form. And I was like, Broadway, I love Broadway. Um, and it was Broadway dance. And I was like, well, I have no rhythm, but you know, I think it could be fun. And she actually encouraged me to apply because I wasn't, I was thinking about it, but I wasn't sure I wanted to apply. And Saya is so good from a personal growth perspective. She basically called me out on Twitter telling me that I should apply because, um, what it, oh, because I had bouldered previously. She's like, you bouldered for Christ's sakes. You better apply to free experiment or something like that. And so I was like, she kind of called me out. It was almost like a deer. So I was like, okay, fine. I will apply. Um, but even going through the process, it was just like, okay, even if I don't end up getting accepted, just kind of taking the time to think about the, think about this is pretty amazing. And, you know, what I liked about it too, is like, this was one thing I could do for me, right? Like it wasn't for the business. It wasn't for my job. It wasn't for grandma. It wasn't for anybody else but me. And that's how I took that time. So when I got accepted, I started dancing in my chair. So clearly there's something there. And uh, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, going to rehearsal and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I really love this. And it became 
almost self-care for me um, to learn dances and and all that kind of stuff. And and like, I had to grow a little bit too. If if you are referring to the number, I think you're referring to like, I kind of had a solo moment. So I had to be that solo person. Um, You you opened the number for for a bit before the other women joined you on stage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was a bit scary. Um, And it took me a while to kind of figure out how to get into character and like how to play all that off and um, all that kind of stuff. But it was just, it was just really, really great. And, um, you know, afterwards I'm just like, man, I love, I love dance. Like, like I said, I don't consider myself a great dancer, but, that really helped me embrace dancing as a form of self-care. Um, and now it's like, okay, you know, let me find other ways to, to dance as a form of movement. Cause like, I'm not a gym person. I have a gym in my building and I don't go and it's free, but like, I need to find something that I enjoy and uh, dance has become that. So it's like, you know, I think I learned that I love to dance and um, it's important for me to make time for things that, recharge me i think that's another thing that i learned oh those are huge and so important (laughs) i'm so yeah yeah. i i'm thinking when you i mean you're preparing for weeks you're learning choreography you're working with Mm -hmm. you know dance instructors like from what i understand saya this basically sounds like a reality show to me like a really cool reality show actually that that would be a cool reality show (laughs) right i should call her so then that final or i mean at the end of it all you have this performance and what I'm wondering here is everyone who's present there mm-hmm. at that in the audience knows the concept, right? They understand you're all not professional, you know, yes, d- everything. You, you just went through three months or whatever weeks of training. Mm-hmm. So everyone there understands and they're, they're there to support you. But when yeah. you, st- when that curtain opens and you step out on stage, do you, do you have a feeling still of like, they're going to judge me? Of course. Yeah. I mean, you're performing. It's it's a very vulnerable moment, but it's also like, it's a, uh, what did we, I think somebody coined the term, I don't know if it was Saya, I think it's called nervous sighted, right? So you're like, you're nervous and you're excited. I love because, that. <laughs> and you're nervous because, oh my God, people are looking at me and I don't want to fall and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm on stage and people are looking at me. It's, it's pretty incredible um but then i think like you get to a point where it's like uh and and saya reinforces the whole time like right like don't focus on getting everything right focus on the experience right like this is an experience and even the fact that we're doing this is huge um and just to enjoy the moment and i think that was a big part of it it's like let me just enjoy the moment and and do my best right so um so yeah it's it's pretty incredible. And even Saya was like, these guys have only been at this for three months. Like, you know, she set the stage. So, like, if they fall, clap louder, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that was just really great. And then, you know, you're cheering for your other people. It's it's just it's just amazing. And even even going through that, like, those are friends that I'm sure will be in my life forever just because we went through this experience together. What a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. I'm getting goosebumps again, just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I love the smile on your face as, I, as <laughs> yeah. I listen to you talk about it. That's so amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You had mentioned that this, you know, that experience was something that was for you. It wasn't for anyone else and it wasn't for grandma. I understand yeah. you're a caregiver for your grandmother. I am. Which is such an amazing thing to do. Mm-hmm. How does that sort of, um, how does that shape you know, who you are and how has that like changed maybe who you, you know, are or want to be? Like, I I just imagine that's such a momentous, amazing gift to give grandma, Mm -hmm. but it also has to be, you know, we only have so much time in the day. So there's got to be a chunk of your, your daily pie that is now dedicated to that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wonder, is that something that you've also like learned from, or uh, is that something you've learned more about yourself from now participating in? Um, I don't, I don't know, possibly, like, I feel like it was, it was, it's interesting because I feel like, like, I've always been with grandma, so she raised me, right? So I feel like there wasn't really a decision made to become a caregiver. There was just a role shift at some point in time, right? And I don't even think I noticed it at first. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, 
I'm a caregiver. Like that's a thing. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that factors in, in a big way because, um, I think, I think caregivers don't get a lot of the same uh, airtime, if you will, as parents, right? Like, um, like a lot of people don't understand that like, oh, well, I have to get home because I, I'm a caregiver and I have things to take care of at home. But like, it's different if you're a parent, it's just weird. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely shaped me. I think it's made me very empathetic, um, and patient. Um, and also like, I've had to learn and give myself a lot of grace through this process too, because trying to be a caregiver and a side hustler and juggling jobs, like sometimes like the balls are going to fall and, you know, like some days caregiving wins out and some days, um, day job ones out. And some, some days like I'm rocking it at the business and, and that's hard because I want to do everything well, but sure it's, it's not really possible. And so what it has taught me is that like, even with free experiment and dance, like, I think what that really taught me was like, man, I need to do more of these things just for me because, um, I'm not doing enough of that. And I thought I was pretty good at like taking time for me, but like, I think that really helped me realize that, man, it was maybe, maybe four, four or five hours a week for rehearsals. Um, I was like, this feels really nice just to be able to focus on just recharging myself. Um, and so I really needed to figure out other ways to recharge myself and, and include that self care piece because as I am a, I'm a helper. I'm, you know, I'm always kind of, I think like I'm an Enneagram too, right? So yeah, I'm a helper, <laughs> you know, always there. I'm kind of a caregiver by nature. Um, but I also have to remember that like the whole oxygen mask thing. And sometimes I forget because it's like, oh, but I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to take care of this person. I got to take care of this person. And that's a battle, right? That's something that I kind of have to be mindful of all the time. That Like if I don't rest, I can't give anything to anybody or to all these other aspects of my life, especially grandma. Um, so I have to just kind of keep that in mind. So it's like empathy, grace, patience, and just like remembering how important self-care is. And, you know, if you're on my newsletter, you, you know that like some days I'm like, man, this was a rough caregiving week and I had little to no sleep and, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, but, um, but it's, it's hard. And so I've really had to learn to give myself grace when I, when I recognize that I need to give myself grace. Such an important lesson. I feel like, I feel like I only learned that lesson probably in the past two years. So I, I so can relate yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. This idea yeah, it's, that, it's yeah, tough. it's a, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you know, you got all these balls juggling in the air and sometimes they're going to fall on different ones on different days and it's okay. Just the fact mm-hmm. that it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I, I think with COVID, especially with COVID, like I've had to caregive from home. Like I think there was, well, I mean, you know, I'm like caregive all the time. I think before sure. it's like, I kind of went out every day and I kind of had this structured routine and all that went out the window when I'm working from home, you know, grandma doesn't understand that like, because I'm home, I'm not working. She's like, well, you're home. So you can do this. You can do this and you can help me with this. It's like, no, that's not how it works. But you know, you just kind of have to deal with it and roll with it and adapt and um, all that kind of stuff. But it is hard. And so I think this past year, like I try to remind myself tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow is another day. <laughs> it's my mantra. Tomorrow is another day. So, yeah. When you're, you mentioned that writing in the newsletter, readers of your newsletter, what, you know, you've shared bits and pieces about your different days and caregiving. Yeah. Um, d- does kind of like sharing pieces of your life with that community, does that feel sort of like therapeutic for you? Or like, does it kind of help you by connecting with others in that, that way? It does. It's surprising though, because, um, like, you know, I, when I started, you know, Tech Biz Girl, my blog, like I blogged fairly regularly, but I was really never able to keep up with it. And I think there's something about me thinking about writing a blog that feels very public. 
Um, and when I write my newsletter, it feels very intimate, right? Like this is a space where I can feel comfortable sharing, right? And I think it's also because it's just a different medium. So there's that. Um, and also I've gotten good feedback from it, right? Like I didn't realize um, some people have responded, especially on some of those tough issues where I'm just like, you know, it's been a rough week. I haven't had any sleep. I'm dealing with allergy issues, like all this kind of stuff that I've gotten responses back from readers and saying, oh, I totally understand. And I'm so glad, you know, you're not sunshiny all the time because that's not really real. And, um, and I had a bad week too, you know? And so I think it's, you know, and something I learned from Saya and just by being in her world too, is like being vulnerable helps give other people permission to be vulnerable. And so it's like, okay, if by me sharing this can help some person, you know, somebody out there, then it's worth it. Even though sometimes it's like, oh my gosh. And sometimes I may shed a tear while I'm writing because like it is a bit of therapy and it is, it does help me process things too. Um, But yeah, I think, I think that's really what it's about. And it's like a lot of that stuff, like I would never really share publicly, even though technically it's a newsletter and it's public, but it just doesn't feel that way. Like anybody could go read it. So in that sense, it's public. But to me, it just feels like a conversation between me and whoever's reading. Which I'm sure is fantastic for you, but also probably provides a great experience for the person reading it because they're able to really connect with you. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. You, I, I'm reminded when we were talking about the fear experiment and sort of how you, those four or five hours of rehearsal a week, you were able to feel sort of this relief and able to feel like you were creating a space for yourself. Yeah. I, I'm reminded of um, two past guests in the podcast, Gary Ware and Jeff Harry. They're both um, two gentlemen who do a lot of work with adults and reintroducing play into our lives to kind yeah. of reactivate you know, those childhood play tendencies and how it can kind of improve life. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think that like you were doing that, like the yeah. activity you were doing, you were probably getting those like feelings of like being a kid and playing and creating. And I just think that's, I, it just dawned on me. That's such a great example of what they've talked about in the past. I need to go listen to those episodes. That's great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's they, we talk about all sorts of, of that, that topic, but it's, yeah, it's fantastic. This, um, I told Gary, I think I had on first, and he uh, teaches improv, and I've always wanted to do improv, and I told him, like, after our conversation, once COVID's over and everything's safe, I want to join, you know, an intro Mm -hmm. to improv class and actually try it out again. I did it, like, in high school. Nice. Because I want what you just described. I want that, that, like, feeling of play and and, and just... um, you know, the, the smile, all I can think about is, you know, just enjoying that time for yourself of like kind of being creative. Yeah. And not really thinking about the world and all of its many problems that it has sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And also mm-hmm. probably within our own lives, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, the, the balls that drop today and that'll drop tomorrow, like just kind of putting them aside for a couple hours. Yeah, exactly. Um, keep me posted on the intro to improv class. I may join you. Oh, I, I totally, I, I think it's going to have to be when, when COVID's like, because. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I want to do it in person, like good old fashioned. Yeah. So yeah, no, I will. Yeah. There's something about going somewhere to do it. That's, I think that's also yes. part of what I liked about free experiment. Like I'm going somewhere. So it like my mind can focus just on that. I'm very, and it can be very present. And that's another thing um, that I just realized that dance was for me. Like I had to be present. Otherwise I'm going to miss moves and routines and like where we are in the song and like all that kind of stuff. So talk about mindfulness. It really forced me to be present in the moment. And that was really good too. Yeah. That's such a great reminder. Like being, I feel like one of the big themes that has come out of COVID for me and sort of like the year that was 2020 Mm-hmm. was this idea that like we were all forced to pause and be in the moment every moment yes. and how that actually was a great reminder of mm-hmm. the need to be present and be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. Did you feel that at all during COVID? Like I, I feel like so many of us, but I'm curious, did you kind of 
you know, I guess you mentioned, you know, your caregiving situation changed. So you felt that, but did you feel more grounded in the moment than maybe in past, you know, Marches or Aprils or Mays? I think so. Um, I think for me, it really just helped reinforce what was important. Um, and actually something else that happened last year that almost kind of overpowered COVID for me for a bit is I fell in the house and broke my ankle in two oh, places. Jeez. <laughs> in two places? Yeah. In two places. Yeah. Oh, and it wasn't no. even a fun story. Just me being clumsy. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was my first break, you know, my first broken bone. And so that whole thing was scary. So I needed surgery. And so I was immobile for a while and I had to walk on crutches for a while and that really forced me to be present mainly because I kind of had no choice. Right. Um, but it also forced me to rest, um, because healing from a broken bone takes a lot of energy. Um, and so I think that also reaffirmed that like, okay, I have to take care of myself first and I need to watch where I'm going apparently. (laughs) So I don't fall again. Um, but yeah, that just that plus COVID really just, it gave me a lot of time to think and I'm just like, man, you know, the newsletter and the work I'm doing with side hustle stuff, um, it just was like, man, this is, this is a really important topic mainly because, well, here I am, it's COVID. A lot of people lost their jobs. If they had a side hustle, they'd have maybe some extra income, but they'd also have something to focus their attention on because losing your job is very stressful and can screw with your head. And I think having something else to focus on can help alleviate some of that. Um, but also it's like, man, if I'm, you know, laid up for a couple weeks, like I'm so glad that I have insurance and, and, you know, I have, um, jobs, with people that are very understanding and supportive of my need for rest and healing and all that kind of stuff. And it it just really just made me think about like things that were important to me and, you know, um, and really where I wanted to focus. And I'm just like, you know, just picks, which is my newsletter. I'm like, that is really my focus. Like that is what's really important to me getting that message out there all the time. Um, and, and that was, um, I guess one of the impacts that COVID plus my injury had is just like, I felt really focused. Um, and I feel like I knocked out a couple things and got some things done that had been on my list for a while, but it's like, Oh, this is, this is, this is the right direction to be focusing, uh, focusing in. What other than when you break your ankle for the first time ever, uh, that aside, what are some yeah. ways that you normally would try? Uh, what are some techniques you normally would try to help yourself focus? Um, It depends, right? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just extremely distracted and um, it's like, I can't work. So uh, sometimes I just need to not work and do something else and just give, give myself the space to, not work and come back to it later. Right. Like, but first I have to recognize that like, okay, I'm distracted and I can't focus what's going on. Um, it could be that like, I just haven't had enough sleep. Um, I'm realizing that sleep or lack of sleep can really screw with you. Um, health wise, productivity wise, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, sometimes it's like, I just need to move. Right. Um, and that was hard for a little while. Um, but now it's like, maybe I'll just do like a four minute workout because who needs 45 minute workouts, right? Let's just do a four minute workout. Something is better than nothing. (laughs) Four minute workout, seven minute workout. Um, I need to get some air. I just need to get some air to just kind of like, um, I need a break, right? Like go for a walk, get some air. Um, but sometimes if, uh, I'm having issues focusing because I'm just feeling really overwhelmed with everything. Uh, I just need to write. I just need to dump it all on paper and get it out of my head because it's just my head will feel like I have 50 internet tabs open. And like, you know, that whole thing, like, I feel like I have 50 internet tabs open and one's playing music and I don't know which one it is. That's how, <laughs> yes. that's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, I got to do a brain dump get everything on paper. And then it's like, okay, now I see all the things that I'm worrying about. And then I can start um, putting together a plan of action. Like, what do I really need to get done today? What can wait till tomorrow? Um, And then timers, man, timers, setting a timer 
just gives me some weird kind of focus. It's like I set a 30 minute timer and it's like, okay, let's go. And then I'm like watching the clock to make sure that like I finish in time or whatever. So it's like a little bit of extra motivation. Interesting with the timers. Yeah. Because I... I kind of want to try this. I've tried it sort of before, not literally setting a timer, but like mm-hmm. looking at the clock and saying, okay, it's 10 o'clock now. I'm going to be done. I'm giving myself till 1030. Yeah. And I find myself, when I, whatever I'm working on, I'll keep looking at the clock and just like the act and awareness of looking at the clock and knowing it's ticking mm-hmm. distracts me more to the oh, point where I, yeah, I can't like, f- it's interesting, but I wonder if I set a timer that I couldn't, because usually it's my computer, right? So I'm looking at the top right of my computer at the time. Maybe if I set mm-hmm. a timer and like put it where I couldn't know when it was going to go off, maybe then I could have, you got me thinking now, this might be a technique I could try. Maybe try it. So, because I, um, I actually, um, I think it's called Horo, H-O-R-O. So it's just a little timer thing that you can put in your Mac menu bar. Um, so I just click it, set 30 minutes, and then it kind of ticks away. Um, and then it does like this buzzer at the end. So that, I just kind of glance at it. I feel like it's enough out of the way that like, it's not my focus. Um, but then it's like, Oh, 10 minutes. Okay. You know, um, the other thing that helps is sometimes I will do, um, I guess we call them sprints like with my friend Shanae. So she lives in Long Beach, California. We're internet friends, right? Like we've only met each other in real life once. Um, but sometimes when we both have stuff to do, we'll be like, okay, do you want to do a sprint? And then we'll be like, okay, go like, or like, what are you working on? And, you know, we'll, we'll share with each other's working on, we'll say go. And then we're setting our 30 minute timer. And then we check in at the end. Um, so that's another way of just kind of like forcing you. Cause you know, there's somebody else to be accountable to It's like, Oh, how'd you do? It's like, I didn't get done. I got to do it again. You know? Um, so that might also help. I like that. These are good techniques. Yeah. These are food yeah. for thought. Mm-hmm. You got to find what works for you. It's But sometimes it takes a lot of trial and error, like you were saying. Absolutely. Always. I feel like all of life, there's trial and error involved in every it, aspect. It is. It is. My... Um, there's a coach, um, she's known as the when I grow up coach, I believe, but her whole thing is like, put on your Nancy Drew hat and be a detective, right? And I was like, yes, I need to remember that so that I don't feel so um, uh, constrained by being perfect. Like, it's just all an experiment. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, great. Then I can learn more for next time. So I try to remember that too. What a perfect note to end on. Jessica, oh, thank great. you so much for taking the time to chat. And I've just loved this conversation. And I have some techniques for maybe helping myself focus a little more. So thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Before you go, I would love to know what you had for breakfast this morning. Just send me an email, tim at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, and let me know what you had for breakfast this morning. Thanks.